Hey, Takeover Church, thank you so much for checking out today's message, whether it's on podcast or on YouTube. We are so grateful that you are here. We pray it blesses you and encourages you and that you will like, share, and subscribe across all Takeover platforms. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday. God bless. We love you guys. Takeover Church, how good is our Jesus? He's better than that. Take over church. How's our Jesus? Yeah. There we go. There we go. Good morning. How we doing? Good morning. Good. Awesome. Fantastic. Man, take over worship. I don't even. I don't even know what I need to preach. What a what an incredible morning. We could just play break every chain for the next two hours, and solid. Uh, place could have burned down around us and we've been okay. It was so good. It was so good. Everybody doing good this morning though. Yeah. Do you love your Bible though? Yeah. Is everybody ready for the Word of God though? Yeah. Fantastic. Yo, where are my single people at? Put your hands up. Take a look around. I'm just, just, just playing. Sorry, I forgot to pull that one out in a minute, and uh, I had to see what you look. God is good all the time, especially today. Fantastic. Well, we are continuing our series. Continuing, continuing our series. Breaker. Somebody just say it with your chest, say breaker. 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 And like we've been doing every single week, we actually have something that we have called the Breaker Creed, which every single message in this series we are going to recite beforehand because we are going old school. We're going back to banners and flag throwing and all sorts of stuff, snake handling on Tuesdays. Like, we're going all the way back. Just kidding. No, there's no statement. Um, but I just love a good creed, and I really felt led like, hey, we're going into 2021, and 2020 couldn't break us because we're a room, we are a church, we are a body, we are a move of God that are breakers. We don't get broken, we do the breaking, amen? And so this is the Breakers Creed. Y'all ready to recite it with me? Yeah. All right, man, Eric, there it is. The Breaker Creed. Ready? Yes! A breaker is a child of God, a follower of Jesus, a temple of the Holy Spirit. A breaker desires the things above. A breaker understands the need for breaking. A breaker willfully gives themselves to breaking. A breaker seeks the anointing of God that only comes through the breaking of God. The breaker's anointing is the ability to break through any spiritual hindrance that would impede upon God's kingdom or God's purposes for his church. Come on! Like Scotty said, if you're taking notes, get ready, ready for the message. Breaker week three, the title is A Fire Breaker. A Fire Breaker. And like we've been doing this whole time, we are going to go all the way back to the Old Testament. Nice. Y'all ready? Yeah. Y'all ready for that word of God? Yeah. Gosh, who just loves the Bible? Me. I do. Yeah. I do. Come on, somebody. Daniel 3, 10 through 18. I'm coming out of the New Living Translation this morning. Um, if you got a Bible, cool. Turn there. If not, it's going to be on the Sky Bible. But Daniel 3, 10 through 18. Say you're ready when you're ready. 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 Come on. I got three of us that are ready. That's good enough for me. Ready. First step. You issued a decree. Requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue. When they hear the sound of the horn, flute, I don't even know what a zither is, a lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments, that decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the providence of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods. They do not worship this golden statue you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? How many of you are grateful that is not your name? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship my golden statue I have set up? Question mark. I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be immediately, immediately thrown into a blazing furnace, and then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we were thrown into the blazing furnace, then God, whom we serve, is able. He's what? Able. He's what? Able. Able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship that gold statue you have set up. Uh, we're going to pray and see the Lord will do something good. Yeah. Fantastic. Father God, we just thank you so much for this morning. God, we ask right now, in this moment, Father God, that you would just allow your Holy Spirit to drop into this place, God. That what you started in worship, God, we heard those chains falling, God. We ask right now, in the mighty name of Jesus, God, that your Holy Spirit would just fill this room. More chains would fall. More mindsets would be repaired. God, more hearts would be postured towards you. We want the thickest sense of you in this place, from front to back, from corner to corner, from side to side, Right now, God, we are not interested in breathing oxygen. We want to breathe you in. Right now, Father God, we ask that you would just be above everything in this room. You'd be above our wonders about the football score afterwards, God. You'd be above our thoughts and our ideas, God. You'd be above whatever anxieties or worries we walked in, God. Today, Lord, if we were cloaked and clothed in fear today, we want to be cloaked and clothed in you. So right now, God, continue the good work you started during worship and change our lives to look more like your son, Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name, a faithful church said, Amen. 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 Come on. A fire breaker. Now, y'all know, we've talked about this. I love having so much more room on stage, by the way. Can you put these things here? And so now I can just like run, you know. Uh, but 2021, we're two weeks deep into it, right? Two weeks in, starting a third week. And how many of y'all know 2020 just bothered us here? Like, it's been great, great already. Like, things are nuts. Places are burned down. Like, things are happening in our country, in our world, in our very state. We got people preparing. I'm not political about this. Don't worry. I'm getting, I'm getting to where we're going with this. But we got all these things that are happening in our cap capital. They're setting up all these fences. And there's armed men. And all of these things are happening. And we're just like, I thought... I thought we were done. My New Year's resolution was we were done with 2020. Like, what is taking place right now? And as I started praying and, and asking God, like, what do, what do we say? What do we do? Where, where do we go? What, is, what do we need to preach about on Sunday? And I just kept hearing the word fire. And I'm like, God, I'm just seeing a lot of fire. I'm just, don't tell me that word. Like, I'm just seeing everything burning down right now. I see families being divided. I see people falling into uh, fear and anxiety. I see suicide rates at an all-time high. I just see everything, not just being shaken down, but being burned down. I was like, God, what do you, what do you mean a fire? And I really just got the sense that he was like, I want to break the fire. I want to break the fire. I want to instill in you such a faith, such a conviction, such an anointing that all over your life you would be a fire breaker. That when you walk into a furnace, fire gets burned. That you would be a kind of person that you would be walking ablaze, sleeping ablaze. That you would be a flame in the place today. That you would leave here as a fire breaker. Yeah. And as I began to research, because this is what I do, I Googled and I typed in fire breaker. Maybe there's something significant about that. Maybe that means something. And kind of like last week, we talked about a circuit breaker, a fire breaker. Fire breaker is a cloak, it's a jacket, it's a material, it's a blanket. It is a material that is thrown over somebody, worn by somebody, that literally has the ability to dead the fire around it. Literally will not only protect you, but it will allow you to breathe the air you wish to breathe. It will protect you. It will break the fire around you. It will break the fire from getting to you. And it will stop and it will prevent while everything else may be burning down around you, when you are clothed in this material, 
player has to die when it comes and connects with you. It's kind of like a windbreaker, but it's a firebreaker. And I was like, God, if that's what you want to do and take over church, then let's do it. If that's what you want to do with me, then let's do it. If that's what this thing is going to look like, then let's do it. God, set me so ablaze that I do not care that my beard is weird, that I do not care that I don't care about man's opinion. I don't care about social media posts, that I just do not care what is going on on CNN or Fox News or whatever the bloody news station you tune into, God. I don't want to care about these things, God. I want this fire-breaking anointing so that when everything else is going to hell, we can be deliverers of heaven. Yeah. And I preach to anybody this morning. Yes, sir. So what does that have to do with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Again, I'm so grateful that it's not my name. Those are three really hard, long names to say, and I just can't. Matt has three letters in it. I'm stoked. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and what this has to do with them is, to be honest with you, more than just the furnace... I think these are three boys that really exemplify what it looks like to be a firebreaker, what it looks like to live in such a way that you just do not care about anything aside from God. What you need to know about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is that they are best friends, BFE, forever. They had heartbroken necklaces with a prophet named Daniel. 90s kids know exactly what it's referenced. <laughs> Daniel is an amazing prophet. And these four are just thicker than thieves. They are amazing. This is a friendship. How many of you know that you've got to have some people who are further along than you to spur you on, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And so they're best friends with Daniel. And at some point in this passage right before this, Daniel tells King Nebuchadnezzar, he goes, these three boys, you need to trust all your affairs to them. You need to trust them. And so while we just read what we read, the background is that these three boys, they work in the kingdom. They work for the king. They have a job, they have a duty, they have a lot of esteem, and they actually handle all of his affairs. Because the prophet Daniel told them to. And so what happens is, you'll kind of see King Nebuchadnezzar do this a few times over this whole entire book. But man, he flip-flops hardcore. That whole phrase about being tossed like the waves in the sea, that's King Nebuchadnezzar, okay? This dude will go from, man, I love God of heaven, to I love myself and everybody else in Golden Castle. Like, he goes so fast, just flip-flopping. And so what we see here is that he is, because prior to this, he was with Daniel. He was like, yeah, Daniel, your God is God. Your God is God. And then suddenly, human nature kicks in, and Daniel's God's not enough for King Nebuchadnezzar. He's got to have his own God. He's got to have his own thing constructed. And so King Nebuchadnezzar, he makes this golden statue. Just a golden statue. Because you imagine just being so full of yourself that you would construct something to worship out of ex just an exceedingly uh, inherent uh, value, such as gold. Like he just took something that has so much monetary value in this world and he constructed something that doesn't even have a name, doesn't have an image, it's just called the golden statue because you're so arrogant. And so what he ends up doing is he says, every day, whenever I feel like it, it's not a set time. You don't look at the sundial and go, okay, it's four o'clock on the rock, I guess we're trying to, time to bow and worship this golden statue. No, no. Whenever there is a sound, the trumpet, the lyre, whatever a zither is, if you know what a zither is, tell me afterwards, okay? I will. That's amazing. Thank you, England. But whenever a trumpet or a drum or whatever the king's choosing sets off his kingdom, every person is called to bow and worship this human man-made, man-made golden statue. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're obviously repping the takeover Holy Spirit heavyweight shirts way back when. That's right. And guess what? They weren't cool with that. 
That wasn't something they were willing to do. They are best friends with Prophet Daniel. They are some Holy Spirit heavyweights. They know who God is. They know the God of Israel. They know who is actually the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And can we just pause real quick? And I just want to encourage you people in the room who I know have some crazy, uh, crazy, crazy judge uh, court stuff going on. I just want to tell you guys, I'm not going to say your names. I'm going to look at you in your direction. God is above every governmental figure, including judges. Yeah. Yeah. Just so you know. Yeah. I don't care about subpoenas. I care about scripture. And all of his promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Praise God. The rest of us, we can be in the dark about that. You don't need to know. That is just something the Lord needed to make very clear this morning to two individuals. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're not cool with this. And what ends up happening is they were brought before King Nebuchadnezzar, and they are propositioned. They are asked. They are demanded. They are threatened. And death is immediately certain. All of this is laid before them, and King Nebuchadnezzar goes, I heard you refuse to bow. I'm told you have refused to bow. To my statue, harp and lyre went off. The zither made a weird noise. Things were happening in my kingdom. Why did you not bow and worship my golden statue? And I think that's a part where we need to pause this morning, where we need to begin to ask ourselves as Takeover Church, as a Christian, as a Jesus follower in 2021, this year, will you bow or will you stand? Will you bow or will you stand? What are you willing to bow for and what are you willing to stand for? What are you willing to bow for and what are you willing to stand for? Because it's in this moment that somebody who's above them, an oppressor, has things going towards them, threats, death is immediately, it's right in front of them, they see the furnace, they are placed before it, and the question is proposed to them, why did you not bow? Well, as firebreakers, you got to know today that you bow before one name, and his name is Jesus. Yeah. If you are not God the Son, God the Father, God the Holy Ghost, my knees ain't touching the ground. Amen. My knees are not touching the ground. My head is not bowing. But so many of us, so many of us, when we are positioned, when we find ourselves in this place where it's called to either bow or stand for something, so often we find ourselves bowing for things that are completely unworthy of the price that was paid for you to bow for. Completely unworthy. You see, oppressors come and Many shapes and sizes, don't they? Many forms. Not all oppressors are wearing crowns or carbon-based life forms such as humans. Often the oppressors that you and I will face may not be wearing a crown or lead a kingdom. But also the oppressors we face will, will be some sort of temptation will be some sort of slander or gossip or opinion of man. Often the oppressor that will face, and yes, it can be a carbon-based life form such as another human. In the workplace or in your family, somebody who wants the Lord over you, wants to hold your past against you, wants to remind you of your failures. That it's in these moments we have to decide and resolve within ourselves, am I going to bow to temptation or am I going to stand for God? Am I going to bow to my oppressor or am I going to stand for God? So many of us, we find ourselves in this position where we are feeling pressed, where we are feeling the heat, where we are feeling the walls closing in around all sides. We feel like the pressure is going to break us. We feel like death is imminent. We feel like we have no way out. And when we feel like we have no way out, we get cagey. We get cagey. When we feel like we have no way out, we begin to bow and knee to things that we never thought we would bow and knee to. Man, money's getting tight. You better steal something. Man, it's just getting hard. Hard in my marriage. 
It doesn't seem like there's any reconciliation in sight. But I got all these feelings and these desires. Suddenly you bow a knee to adultery, a place that you never could have seen yourself bowing a knee to. So many of us, the second temptation sounds the alarm, a desire comes, a feeling comes upon us. We go running to our master, his name is pornography. And we bow a knee in a moment that we didn't plan to, to be there, but we also plan not to be there. And we find ourselves living a life where we do far more bowing than we do standing. Because as Christians, when we get pressed on all sides, when we feel like it's coming down around us, when we feel like everything is burning down, so often we are faced with this moment, do we bow or do we stand? Do we fight or do we flight? And so often, fight or flight does not work out for us. We have this mentality where it's like, I'll bow today, repent tomorrow. I'll concede today, repent tomorrow. I'll bow today and live tomorrow. And we just get through and we scratch that itch. We make that decision. We pay the bill. We fulfill that desire that's just been coming on so strong. And we go, well, I can stand tomorrow. I just can't stand right now. The weight is too big. The itch is too strong. The temptation is too mighty. And we end up bowing for things that should be bowing to us. I preach to anybody this morning. Christians, we are designed to fight from our knees, not bow on them to things that could never purchase your soul. I see so many people right now in 2021, we are just bowing and conceding to social media posts. We're getting in stupid arguments. We're fighting battles on platforms that we were never intended to fight from. We are bowing because it looks like if we don't have an opinion on something, then we're a part of the problem. Right. I'm sorry. Culture in 2021 is an oppressor. Yeah. It's okay to, think, to take things up in prayer before you take them to a platform. And I'm sick and tired of seeing the church fight itself. I'm sick and tired of seeing Christians cannibalize one another. I'm sick and tired of seeing Christians be divided when a church should be united underneath one name. His name is Jesus. But we out here infighting. And it's like, why are you bowing to this? Stand for something. His name is Jesus. Not all oppressor, oppressors wear crowns. You're not made to bow. See what happens next is something pretty incredible, I think. What happens next in the story is these informants, the people who saw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and saw them just carrying on, carrying on in the castle, in the palace, working, serving, doing their job. Serving God, living as God followers at the time. And these informants see this and exactly what they say verbatim to the king is King, there are these three Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The ones that Daniel put in place, that prophet, that crazy guy. They don't bow for your golden statue. In fact, they pay no attention to your golden statue. They pay no attention to your golden statue. And the word says that's when the king went to a rage. That's when Nebuchadnezzar wanted their head. That's when Nebuchadnezzar wanted their allegiance brought before him so he could ring them. 
or kill them. And the informants say, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego pay no attention to your golden statues. Church, I wonder today, what are some golden statues in our life that God is trying to break our concentration on? What are some idols in our lives that God is trying to break our concentration on? What are some idols in our lives? What are some golden statues we've either sold out to or we've constructed ourselves that God is desperately, desperately trying to break our attention with? What is he trying to move in between you for? What is it that we have decided that we have bowed down and we have worshipped at the feet of that God wants to break our attention off of? What golden statues, if you were to honestly take an inventory of your life today, has God broke, has God wanted to break your attention with? Some of us, man, we have made great idols out of our past. Some of us, we have made great idols out of money. Some of us, we have made great idols out of our spouse. Some of us, we have made great idols out of sex and wealth and fame and fortune. We've made great idols out of elections. We've made great idols out of sickness. We've made great idols. We've constructed these amazing, immaculate, incredible, these very big, gorgeous gold statues. And most of the time, we didn't even know that we were constructing them. Because they just had our attention. Isn't it funny how many things can have your attention without you really it meaning to give it to it? Yeah. How many things throughout the day does your mind just drift to? Just go to in that direction? What are some golden statues that God wants to break your attention off of? You see, Here's something that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego understood. They understood this above everything. If God didn't have their attention before the fire, are we going to have God's attention in the fire? If God didn't have my attention before the furnace, am I going to have God's attention in the furnace? Because let me tell you, friends, if God doesn't have your attention before the furnace, God didn't have your attention. If God didn't have your attention, your devotion, your allegiance, your agreement before the furnace, then God never really had your attention, your allegiance, your agreement. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they understood this. They are brought before a furnace because an informant said they paid no, never mind, no attention. The alarms went off. The lyres started playing. The drums started beating. Everybody bowed around them to one idol. And your king, guess what they did, your highness? They paid no attention to it. Friends, whatever you pay attention to, you will ultimately bow before Whatever you pay attention to, you will ultimately bow before. God, when he makes a breaker, he breaks your attention. When God makes a breaker, he breaks your concentration. When God breaks you out of your attention and your allegiance being to other idols and people and things that you have constructed and began to worship, it's going to hurt. It's going to be new. You're going to feel distracted. You're going to feel like you are fighting from beneath. You're going to feel like it's getting hot around you. But that's because God is trying to reprogram you. They paid no attention to your golden statue. It was at that moment their oppressor went into a rage. Friends, can I just say something that I feel like really needs to be said today? Yes. Is that okay with you? Yes. Don't ever apologize for breaking up with an idol. Don't ever apologize for breaking up with an idol. Some of y'all don't understand what I mean by that. I'm going to say it one more time, then I'm going to expound. Don't ever apologize for breaking up with an idol. So many Christians, we will live. Beat down to beat down instead of breakthrough to breakthrough because we are spending our time trying to break up with an idol and then we're texting it the next day apologizing for breaking up with it. Hey, I'm sorry 
sorry, I just can't hang out anymore. You don't owe those people a text message anymore. Hey, I'm sorry, I just can't date you. I can't continue having sex with you. I can't whatever, this is what my life needs to look like now. You no longer owe them an apology. You are doing what is most healthy for your soul, what's most healthy for your relationship with Jesus. Your idol was never was never the what was healthy for you. Your idol was never what God intended for you. Don't apologize for breaking up with an idol. No one's going to stand there if they constructed a golden statue and say, "G.S. Beautiful golden statue." I met somebody new whose name is Jesus. I just can't come to worship him. It's been good. You're shiny. We had a lot of time. But now I've met somebody else. Do you see how ridiculous that is? That's exactly what it looks like. That's exactly what it looks like, what it sounds like, when we begin to make apologies for things that we needed to cut out of our life a long time ago. Yes. When we begin to make an apologies for things that never should have had our attention in the first place. These boys understood that. No, 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 no. You don't deserve my attention. God deserves my attention. God deserves my allegiance right now. So many Christians, you will get drawn back in to your golden idols that you have constructed. Your relationships, pornography, your depression, your anxiety. I've actually heard people say, man, I missed the days when I was depressed. Are you? What? It's like being alone when I was depressed. And I'm free. Are you kidding me? Don't apologize. Don't miss. And what do you do? When you miss those days or those moments alone or those desires that you felt, the high you got, whatever it may be, when that feeling comes, we turn our eyes on Jesus. Yeah, that's good. We turn our eyes on Jesus. No, golden statue, you don't deserve my attention. You don't deserve my concentration. You didn't pay for my gaze. You didn't pay for my eyes to be upon you. You didn't pay for my soul. You didn't rescue my past. You weighed my past down. You brought my past up and you kept me chained to it. You didn't, you didn't secure and rescue my future. You didn't bring my marriage to restitution. You didn't do anything except steal my attention off the one who truly deserves it. Don't ever apologize for breaking up with idols. That's good, man. I'm sick and tired of seeing Christians fight from underneath. You're fighting from underneath because you were weighed down by these things that you used to worship, that you used to bend and knee, and you were fighting because you were so chained to it. I don't care how far. I don't care how far you walk away from an idol. If, you're, if you allow your mind to keep going back to it, Whatever has your attention, you will ultimately worship. Yeah. You will ultimately bow to. Yeah. So many Christians. Man, we bow to our oppressors. We bow to our oppressors. But I think what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say in this next part is, is absolutely super necessary. Somebody say super necessary. Super necessary. Super necessary. Super necessary. This is super necessary for what a Christian should live like, should look like, should lead like in their own lives. This is crucial. This is paramount because here is the deal. Your oppressor, whatever his name may be, whatever her name may be, whatever crown she may wear, depression, worry, anxiety, poverty, sex, There's something about somebody who understands that God deserves our attention. Because what happens is this. See, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, in this moment, the king is declaring all these things. The king says, I will give you one final opportunity. 
I'll give you one final opportunity. We will sound the heart, we will get the light out, we will make the noise again, and this is it. Right here, furnace is hot. Right here before me, we will do it all again. And this is your out. This is your moment. You can escape right here, right now. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they have this amazing smug look on their face. Friends, did you know that as a firebreaker, you can take pity on your old idols? Did you know that as a firebreaker, you can have pity on your oppressor? Because here's what happens next. I don't care what it is that you have felt oppression over, okay? Possession over. You can take pity over it because you are a Jesus follower. Because here's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they go... Oh, king. Just that pity. Oh, king. Oh, depression. Oh, anxiety. Oh, homegirl that I used to do things with. Oh, my gosh. I don't owe you my attention. And you just get to take pity on it. And here's the thing that Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, they say. Oh, king. I don't have to defend myself towards you. They're in front of a furnace. They're about to get burnt to a crisp. Death is imminent. Their time on earth is up. This moment right here, right now, in the natural, looks like all hope is lost. Everything is gone. It's all going to burn down around you and you with it. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they are so certain of who God is, of who God says that they are, of what he says that he can do. They take pity on the king. Could you imagine that? Certain death. You are about to die. You are about to lose your marriage. You are about to lose your job. You are about to lose whatever you find security in. You are about to lose whatever has held you back. Whatever you have profited in life. Because of an oppression. Because of a person. Because of a place, because of a thing, because of a stigma, because of gossip around you. And you just stare that thing in the face and you say, oh, whatever your name is, I don't have to defend myself towards you. Friends, you know why Christians more often than not find themselves bowing to their oppressor? Because we feel like we have to defend ourselves. We have lived our lives as Jesus followers, thinking we had to defend ourselves against oppression, against depression, against intimacy issues, against sexual immorality, against desires and temptation, against fear and anxiety. Whatever it is, we have lived our lives just feeling like it was ours to defend against. Do you know what happens when all you do is live on the defense? You're going to get tired. You're going to get tired, you're going to get beat down, and it's going to be a lot harder for you to stand. Yeah. So you know what happens when you live in a posture of defense? You end up bowing. You are in the most defensive position when you are the closest to the ground. And that, my friends, is exactly what your oppressor wants you to do. So many Christians, we get tired and we begin to bow to things we could never imagine that we would bow to because we thought, for whatever reason, maybe it was a pastor who said something wrong and you formed a theology off it. Maybe you got something twisted. Maybe you never knew. Maybe this is just how you were raised and you weren't raised in church. Nobody told you. But Christians don't live from a position of defense. We only play on the team of offense. Yeah. We don't live... We don't worship. We don't praise. We don't pray from a position of defense. We live from, we worship from, we praise from, and we pray from a position of offense. So many of us, we would try to fight these things on our own, in our own strength, on our own time frame. And what ends up happening is it overtakes us because you and I, we could never have been our own victors. If we could have been, we wouldn't have needed Jesus. That's right. If we could have been our own defenders, we wouldn't have needed Jesus. We have needed Jesus this entire time. So many Christians, we live in a place and we live from a position where you know what? God is our last resort. God is never our last resort. God is our resting place. 
We cannot live from a position of God being our last resort. He has to be our resting place. He has to be an indwelling on the inside of us. He is not a fire extinguisher that we break the glass out of in a time of need or a time of panic, but a time we're already in the furnace. God is not our just our rescuer. He is our resting place. Yeah. We already live from a rescue position. So why are you trying to live in a defensive posture? Yeah. You already live from a rescued position. So why are you trying to defend from a defensive position? Yeah. I preach to anybody this morning. Because yeah, what ends up happening next is absolutely astounding. I love Shadrach, Meshach, and Benny. This moment in history with God and people who are sold out for Christ blows my ever-loving mind. This is such a fire-breaking, fire-breaker moment. It gives me so much hope and so much faith. Because what happens next is incredible. They are literally are positioned right before the furnace. And they yet again refuse to worship the golden statue. This is the perfect picture. This king is the perfect picture of what the enemy of your soul looks like. This moment, this is hell's playbook to break the breaker. Because here's the deal. If your oppressor can't get you to worship him, he'll manipulate you with fear. Yeah. If your oppressor can't get you to worship him, worship yourself, worship money, worship sex, worship some golden statue that you, you worship yourself. Like if he cannot get you to worship something other than God, get your attention on something other than God, if he can't do that, he will try to manipulate you with fear. The enemy will always try to get you to worship first, and if he can't get you to worship, he'll lead you away with fear. Yeah. Well, what do you mean, Matt? What do you mean? So often, in our walk with Jesus, as we're resisting, as we're fleeing temptation, as we're getting away from things, as we're getting around other people to stoke us up, as we're going to church, as we're serving, as we're doing the same, as we're praying for people of admire, as we are living out the Great Commission in our life, when the enemy comes for you, and he will, because when you are heaven-bound, hell wants to bind you. Yeah. When he comes for you, He's trying to make waves. He's trying to bring things up. He's trying to take you down. He will try to get you to worship Him. Worship something He's Lord over. If He cannot do that, He will try to manipulate you with fear. Yeah. He will put you in a position to see the worst case scenario. Right. He will bring you to a place where it looks like it is imminent death. Yeah. Life has lost the fight. Fruit is not coming. He will bring you to that posture. He will bring you to that place. He will get you on your knees. And he will reveal to you what is in his hand. Friends, can I encourage you this morning? When your oppressor reveals what's in his hand, that's when you know you can stand. When your oppressor reveals to you what is in his hand, that's when you know you can stand. You want to know why? Because when the oppressor shows you what's in cancer's hand, when the oppressor shows you what's in depression's hand, when the oppressor shows you what's in the judge's hand, when the oppressor tells you what is in whatever is coming to give you ill cause you harm, when it reveals what's in its hand, that's when you know you can stand. Why? Because what's in the oppressor's hand is smaller than what's in God's hand. Amen. What's in the oppressor's hand is smaller than what's in God's hand. You got cancer, I got healing. You got fear, I got faith. You got a mouth, I got to see. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? You got their past? I got 
their future. Yes, sir. You got their ex, I've got them. So often, we don't understand that we are not fighting from a place on the ground. We are fighting from a king that's above it all, okay? When we begin to lead out of our own will, we will die in our own will. But when we fight from God's will, you will win in God's will. Man, this is who our God is, is it not? Yeah. This is who our God is. You want to try and manipulate me with fear? My God has already won me with fear. What's in your head? It ain't me. Yeah. It ain't my future. It ain't my marriage. That's right. It's not my single season. It's not my gifts. It's not my talent. You didn't pay for it. You didn't purchase it. I'm not on layaway. You can't buy me slowly, Satan. This is a fire breaker. Can I read to you one more portion of scripture? Yes. Because here's the next part. Here's the next part. Daniel 3, 19 through 26. Let me set this up. This is the next part of the story. This is important to the Christian walk because at this moment in time, we're expecting this Disney story where we get to avoid the furnace. God, I'm standing for you. You're going to absolve me from any sort of consequences of my oppressor. You're going to rescue me. Not realizing, again, you already live in rescue. Yeah, we do. You already live in rescue. So even when you find yourself in the furnace, you are already rescued. Because we would love it. We love it. We're like, God, I'm standing for you. I'm fighting for you. I am praying. I am being obedient. You have my allegiance. I'm doing all of this for you. Surely you're going to rescue me. And often, that's exactly what happens. But also often, you still find yourself in the proverbial furnace where it's hotter than hell. And you're sweating. And you're doubting. And you're not sure you can remain. Here's what that looks like. Are you ready? Yeah. Daniel 3, 19 to 26. I'm going to go quickly. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. Became distorted with rage. This boy had a demon. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, throw them into a blazing furnace, so they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king, in his anger, had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego securely tied fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, Didn't we tie three men up and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look! Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound, walking around in the fire, unharmed. And the fourth man... That fourth man looks like a god. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace. And he shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out! Come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Friends, friends, it is no mistake is not a plot twist. When heaven has your attention, hell will try to get it. When heaven has your attention, hell will vie for your attention. And here's what happens. If your God is God before the furnace, He will be God with you in the furnace. If your God is God before the furnace, He will be God in the furnace. Friends, this is how this relationship with Jesus is supposed to work. This is exactly what it looks like, okay? You can go through hell 
furnace. He will be God in the furnace. If he is God, listen here, if he is not God on the daily, how can you expect him to be God in the fire? Yeah. Come on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. I'm not preaching to anybody. Yeah. Come on, I want God in the fire. Is he going to be God on the daily? Yeah. Is he going to be your security on the daily? Yeah. Is he going to be your provision on the daily? Yeah. Who is he to you? Is he everything? Yeah. Or is he nothing? Wow. Here's the deal. There's two things that I notice in this portion of Scripture. Two amazing things that I just felt like we needed to hear today. King Nebuchadnezzar says, all right, I'm going to bow. I'm going to worship my golden statue. My golden statue is not good enough for you. All right. All right. Turn that up seven times hotter. Seven times hotter than anybody else. Seven times hotter. We're going to make a statement. No gold filling is going to survive this one. We're making a statement. Every ounce, fiber, collected part of your being, every atom is going to be torched in this fire. There will be nothing, nothing left of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And this is exactly what the enemy wants to do to you. Mm -hmm. When heaven has your attention, you've got hell's attention. And when that happens, don't be surprised that you come up against, what does it say? The strongest, baddest, biggest, most binding sergeants this guy had. Don't be surprised when you get heaven's, when heaven gets your attention that you get hell's attention, okay? Because life will come at you. Things will orchestrate against you. You will feel like you are being beaten down, bound and dead, and taken and being thrown into the furnace by the biggest and baddest things that you have giants in the land until hell has your attention. Mm. But what happens? It's the biggest, baddest dudes that work for King Nebuchadnezzar bound them up, beat them down, and toss them into a furnace. But because it was seven times hotter, what was meant to bind you was actually burned by you. What was meant to bind God's chosen person was actually burned by God's choice. You see, only with God can fire get burned. Only with God can what is, called, what is causing to bound you and bind you can actually be broken for it. Yeah. This is an incredible moment where you can take assurance, where you can rest assured, when you can live and you can breathe, okay? When God is the air in your lungs before you find yourself in need of air, this is what your life will look like even when all the oxygen in the room is being consumed by the flames around you. If God is the air that you breathe, you will not be consumed while the room burns down. In fact, the very thing that put shackles on you, the very thing that brought shame upon you, the very one that filed the subpoena against you, the very thing that has been working overtime to break you will be broken before you. The very thing that was made and was working so hard to burn you will be burned before you. Am I preaching to anybody? Yeah. Second thing I noticed, worship team, you can make your way up here. Second thing I noticed in this piece of scripture, King Nebuchadnezzar, he puts this, he puts this furnace seven times hotter, seven times hotter than need be. This is incredible because seven, if you don't know any, Numerology in the Bible. Seven means completion. Seven means perfect. Seven is not in there by mistake. Seven means it's finished. Yeah. Seven is completion. Seven 
his perfection. The king, surely he must have known that he turned that up to the perfect heat. Surely he must know he got the perfect Fahrenheit going. Surely he must have understood that this was the most complete, hottest, perfect furnace there would ever be. That it could seriously burn something to absolutely nothing. But what happened? Well, he thought he turned it up to seven and his mission would be complete. But how many know when the enemy turns it up to seven, God's mission would be complete? Yeah. It's got to give you hope today because here's the deal. King Nebuchadnezzar, he read the situation wrong. Just like your oppressor, your depression, your enemy, your temptation, whatever it is in your life, your boss, your ex, your situation has read the situation wrong. You want to know why? King Nebuchadnezzar thought he was throwing Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire. They weren't in there with the fire. The fire was in there with them. They didn't get thrown into the fire. They already had a fire on the inside of them. You see, Kevin Nebuchadnezzar, he, he jumps up, he looks on the inside, and all of a sudden, he doesn't just see three, but he sees four. He sees four bodies. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 